Hello, this is Aaron Saft in the MR Running Pains podcast, episode number 94. Today, I have Coach Rachel Bell Kelly. She is awesome. Um, love talking with Rachel. Uh, we just had an episode for the Hellbender podcast in which um, uh, Rachel um, and I and two other coaches discussed training specifically for the Hellbender podcast. If you haven't listened to that, hop on over to the Hellbender 100 podcast and check that out. Um, but today, uh, Rachel and I have a special episode. We took some questions from women and, uh, and answered these women specific questions. So I hope you, uh, you enjoy and learn something from the episode. And if you have further questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, you know, we'd love to do another episode and perhaps go other over other questions. So, uh, enjoy my conversation here with Rachel Bell Kelly. All right. Today on the podcast, as I mentioned in the intro, I have Coach Rachel Bell Kelly here with me. I'm excited to chat with her. How are you, ma'am? I'm wonderful, Aaron. How are you? <laughs> doing doing all right. <laughs> this, this day has kind of wore me down, but I am happy to be here talking with you. Uh, we have an exciting conversation here uh, and many questions that were submitted, and we'll talk about those in a minute. But first, let's talk a bit about you. Um, give us a bit about your background. Where do you come from? What do you do? Um, what's your running background? All that good stuff. Sure. Um, I live in Chapel Hill. I have been running, I don't know, forever. Um, <laughs> since I was a kid, my dad got me interested in running and that was kind of our bonding thing. Um, I continued running in high school. I took some time off in college and um, then got back into running again in my 20s and in my 30s found trail running and ultra running. And now I'm in my 40s and I'm coaching. <laughs> That's tremendous. Um, and you've had some, some great experiences. Um, Rachel didn't mention some of the, the races that <laughs> she's done, but she's, uh, she's been to Western and she's done some really cool stuff. So, um, you know, I think she's being modest, but we'll, we'll let her slide by that. Um, <laughs> so um, we, uh, we asked both, uh, both of our friends, athletes, um, acquaintances, we just kind of put it out there to say, Hey, you know, we're doing this podcast. Uh, it's going to be, you know, specifically questions women may have about running or training or anything in, in that realm. Uh, and we got, you know, some great submissions. Um, Rachel got a lot more than me. She wins in that category. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we're just going to go through these questions and, uh, and if, if you guys have questions afterwards, um, please, you know, uh, reach out to, to one of us. Um, if I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it off to, uh, to Rachel <laughs> and she, she can answer it, or we can do another one of these episodes. So, um, thank you for agreeing to do this. All right. So um, our first one's a big one, and we probably could spend a lot of uh, a lot of time on this uh, this specific question. But uh, the uh, the submission was: How does my menstrual cycle affect my training and racing? <laughs> it is a big question. <laughs> um, the short answer is: Everybody's different, and you know, um, everybody's individual and your cycle may affect you differently than someone else's. But generally speaking, I don't know if you're going to have this visually, but I brought a little visual just to, okay, let me see if I can take it. Um, yeah. uh, how do we, do you know how to take a picture? <laughs> uh, what are you on? Uh, I'm on zoom. Oh, I don't know. I can also send it to you later. Yeah. Why don't you send it to me? And then I can post it in the show notes. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Perfect. So you. there's kind of 
generally two phases. The first phase is follicular phase, which starts the first day of your bleeding period. In somewhere in the middle, you ovulate, and the second half is your luteal phase. Um, cycles can be, generally speaking, between 26, 27 to 40 days. So it varies with the individual. Um, the best thing to do, actually what I have most of my athletes do is download some kind of app to, to, to watch what their cycle does. Um, because again, everyone is different and I, you know, can't just say generically it's 28 days. Um, most women during the first half, the follicular phase feel really good. Some women in the middle during the ovulation feel great and other women don't feel so great for a day. And then the second half tends to be kind of where you start to have PMS, where a lot of women start to have cramping and tiredness and lack of motivation, but it's not the same for everyone. Some women seven days out from their period start to feel like this. Some women three days out from their period. And some women have like five days and then two days right before their period where their hormones drop off, where they feel really great again. So it's individualized. And I would recommend that everyone download. There's um, Wild AI is an app that I have used and it's really helpful. It, it pops up in the morning. It asks how you're feeling, you know, if you started your period today. And then it kind of generally asks questions about, do you have cramping? Do you have bloating? Different things. And it can put together where your cycle is, where you are in your cycle, and it can make recommendations. I think that Garmin, actually, the Garmin watches are also trying to do this. And so I, I know some people that have it on their watch that will kind of say, hey, today you're, you're in your follicular phase. You know, you, you're going to feel great or hopefully you'll feel great, you know, this week. And you should be able to hit your best paces. You should be feeling good to lift, all of those things. Maybe your app says you're in your luteal phase and you're going to have some cramping and you can do things like, what I try to do is, you know, everybody has to have a down week. I try to have it coincide with the same week as your PMS. So you're not, I mean, you certainly can, you know, there is no, issue or problem with racing during PMS or training during PMS. But if you're doing a lot of heavy training, sometimes it's just nice to have that week as sort of your down week. So if you're not feeling really great, then, you know, it, it's just nice to have a, that mental relaxation where you're like, you know, this week I can chill. My PMS is, you know, going to be bothering me a little bit. I don't have to worry so much about like having monster workouts. And if a woman hasn't, uh, you know, um, some women do not track their period. Um, and you know, when I say this and they say, oh, you know, I haven't tracked it. And then they realize mm -hmm. they haven't tracked it. And then they realize, you know, I haven't had a regular period or a period in a while. Is that something that they should think about? Or, you know, is there something that they could do to help them, you know, be on a, a, a more regular schedule, a more regular cycle, excuse me. Um, if you are, if there are no reasons, if you're not on birth control, if you are not pregnant <laughs> and you're not having your period, it, it, it can be some cause for concern. It's a little bit like the canary in a coal mine of, uh, 
of how your body is reacting. You know, um, we have, you know, the basic needs that our body needs to do, which is have our brain function and our heart and lungs and all those things. And um, you actually don't need to have a period to survive. So that's one of the first things that if you're overtraining or overstressing or under eating, that's one of the first things that your body might say, hey, we need to shift our energy to something else. So we're just going to stop having a period. So that, that might be the time that you want to actually, you know, talk to your doctor um, and figure out what's going on. Okay. Good enough. Thank you. Um, and is there, um, let's say that the, the cycle comes in, um, the, uh, um, uh, I think luteal, right. Luteal phase. Is that right? Mm, the second, the second half. The second, yeah. Second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's during an A race, um, it, you know, uh, obviously they can still run it, but is there anything that they can do to, um, to help, you know, prepare themselves for, for that, you know, that period. So racing with your period is actually kind of great because when you start your period, um, that is when your hormones are kind of most level. And even though you're bleeding and you have to deal with tampons or whatever you're dealing with, whatever you use, um, your body's actually pretty efficient at that moment. The days leading up PMS, there are some things you can do. The different things um, that we often have trouble with are, you know, bloating and cramping, paying attention to hydration in that time period can be a little bit more important. Um, It can help you also regulate your, the days leading up to your period. Um, You can feel warmer and have a harder time regulating heat. And so staying cooler, hydrating can help you with that as well. Um, cramping, you can take things like magnesium and, um, eat things with, uh, omega-3 fats that can help with some of the cramping. Um, of course, too much magnesium can also give you a little bit more GI upset. So it, this is like, these are things that you practice in training. So when you do get to a race, you know what to do. Um, I've had to do these things. Um, you know, I've, definitely had races during PMS. I've had races while I've been bleeding. I've been, you know, all over, you know, you can't control when it comes up, um, but you can control what the things that you do to mitigate. Um, Sometimes you have um, more inflammation on the days leading up to your period. So if you can be cognizant of that and um, eat more anti-inflammatory things, do more mobility things, things that kind of help the inflammation come down. Um, also, you can eat a little bit more carbohydrate. We need a little bit more carbohydrate the days leading up to our period. Um, we have glycogen stores, but our bodies have a slightly harder time getting them on those days leading up to the period in your luteal phase. Um, let's see what else in the luteal phase. Um, I think I covered a bunch of things. Um, Is there anything you want to add to that that you can think of, Aaron? Not that I can think of. You did a (laughs) a wonderful job covering that. That was, was, yeah, that was awesome. Um, 
no, it's, and you know, if, if folks do have more questions, like I said, don't hesitate to reach out and ask, um, you know, this is, and you know, Rachel and I were talking before we started recording and, you know, a lot of the studies that are coming out are just so new and we don't have a lot of data. If you, if you want to touch on that, Rachel. Yeah. Um, a lot of these, like Aaron was saying, um, oh, gosh, I cannot remember what the figure was, but, um, if you look at all of the studies that have done, been done on runners and athletes, it, there is such a small number where there are actually women specifically in the study because of our hormones, that if you're, if you're studying something specific that has to do with hormones, with hydration, other things like that, a lot of times researchers will leave women out just because they don't want to think about, okay, where is this woman in her cycle and would it change you know, would it affect the data? Um, so there are a handful of women that have, and men that have started um, focusing more on studying women specifically. So this data is, I don't know, probably five to 10 years old versus we have decades and decades worth of lots of studies and data that are mainly men. That's not totally excluding women, but you know, I have a lot of friends that have done studies before, and it's much easier to get uh, 20-year-old college men into your physical fitness study than it is to try and find women in various stages of their hormonal journey <laughs> to <laughs> sign up for your whatever it is. You're, you're spinning on the bike, you're running on a treadmill, you're doing push-ups until exhaustion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, thank you. The, um, and you covered, uh, another question we had, um, but there was, um, a question about menopause, um, oh, yeah. you know, menopause and osteoporosis. Um, you know, do we have anything that we can, we can address, you know, is there things that, that females should think about, um, if they're going through menopause or if they are facing osteoporosis, um, do you, can you, uh, can you think of things for that? that scenario? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't speak to osteoporosis specifically just because I'm not a doctor, but, um, in general, if you don't already have it and you're trying to avoid it, the things that you want to do is loading and running is, a, is definitely a loading activity, except we load, you know, forward in one plane where, um, to have really good bone density, you want to load in uh, multi-plane, which is like front, back, side to side. Trail running actually over technical trail is probably really good for this. If you're a road runner, you might want to do hopping side to side, laterally, you know, diagonally, things like that to help load. Um, some women after talking to the doctors will go on different medications that might help with osteoporosis, things like that. Um, strength, strength, Loading with um, heavy weight can also help mitigate some of the osteoporosis. And um, yeah, as you get older, women, women don't build a ton of muscle naturally in the first place. And as you age, it gets harder to build muscle and maintain muscle. Um, so you can do, you, you know, we're, we're runners. We love to go out and run and I love to go out and run, <laughs> but I think as women age, it becomes a little bit more important to get into the gym and really start heavy lifting. And when I say heavy lifting, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to walk into the gym and start pumping, you know, 200 pounds, you know, 
it's it's heavy lifting is whatever where you are you know it might just be body weight as you start and then you progress into heavier and heavier loading um i and if you're new to lifting i would recommend um hiring someone that will teach you how to do it correctly you don't want to just be going into the weight room and throwing weights around and not knowing what you're doing um other things to think about hit workouts. These can help women because um, you start to lose your really high high end top power. And hit workouts are really short, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. The entire workout is not that long. So it doesn't take a lot of time to do it. Um, what else? Again, as you get older, um, women have a harder time managing heat hot flashes, as well as um, hormonal changes just make you a little bit more sensitive to heat. Same thing, um, paying attention to your hydration, figuring out what your hydration. I actually um, sometimes do hydration tests with women in different parts of their cycle just to see if it's different. You know, it's some, I think most women, it's probably not that much different, but some women who really struggle with handling heat this, they may sweat more. They may sweat less. Um, I, I believe that when you are going through menopause, um, your, your sweat rate is a little bit delayed, um, to start. So, um, thinking about when I say hydration, I don't just mean water, right? Like I'm sure you talk to your athletes. Hydration isn't just water. It's sodium, it's potassium. It's all the little electrolytes that help your body, um, Oh, and menopause, uh, women start to be a little bit more sensitive to carbohydrates. Women, uh, I've heard the, uh, saying the menopot because sometimes women start to add a little fat around their midsection. Um, women in menopause still need to have carbohydrates, but they don't need as many because your, your body doesn't quite use them in the same way. So, um, thinking about having carbohydrate before, during, and immediately after your run is important. Whereas, you know, people sometimes like will push off having like, Oh, I'll have a pasta dinner. It might be more beneficial if you're trying not to, if you're trying to manage the weight gain around your middle to have, okay, well, if I run in the morning, I'm going to have my oatmeal and whatever my other carbohydrate is in the morning. And then at night I'm going to have have a lower um, glycemic index carbohydrates later in the day. Right. And what about? I was going to say, yeah, I, I think one of the, the best things that anyone facing um, osteoporosis uh, or going through menopause as a runner, you know, male or female, well, <laughs> if you're facing <laughs> menopause or uh, osteoporosis and, you know, I think, getting a good, um, uh, sports, uh, medicine doctor is, yeah. you know, I think they can't be underrated. You know, they're, they're, um, my physician is, uh, he's sports med and, and family. Um, mm -hmm. so he does, you know, everything, but they, they understand the athlete and they understand, you know, um, a bit more about nutritional, um, advice and such that they're, they're really attuned to what our bodies are going through. Um, so, you know, as, as you go through these things, 
you know, if your physician isn't as familiar with it, it may be time just to look into perhaps switching doctors um, and, yeah. and trying somebody and, and seeing if they have other suggestions, you know, that, that might help you through these, um, these times. Um, you know, one thing that I think I encourage, especially um, my aging athletes to do, and, and, you know, they, you can be done as a hit workout, but is, uh, is jump rope. Um, mm, yeah. rope. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a plyometric exercise. Um, uh, you get that, that, you know, I don't want to call it pounding, but you know, again, you're going to get that jarring, <laughs> uh, yep. in a controlled environment, you know? Um, yep. so I think jump rope is great and not just for an aging athlete, for any athlete, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it really works the fascial system. So I think it's a, it's a great activity for, for runners to, to incorporate, even as a warm up, even if you just do a one minute warm up of, of skipping rope. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think that's another, another good thing to add to the, the training. Yeah, definitely. You don't need to do it. It, it. This isn't like you have to go jumping for 20 minutes. Right, right. You're right. It's just a couple minutes. And yeah, definitely. Um, finding a physician, I definitely know that hormonal hormone replacement therapy can be very helpful. It's not necessarily going to make you 20 years old again, but it helps with, it can help with the hot flashes with not sleeping at night with brain fog, which is, you know, the, the side effects that are not very pleasant when it comes to menopause. Sure. Yeah. Any, anything else on that topic that you can think of? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, next question, um, kind of, I guess, pertaining, um, we'll kind of try to keep it in categorically. We had a question that says, uh, what to do about peeing when running like leaking? Oh yeah. Um, this is very much a pelvic floor PT realm. Um, I know that it has become normalized somewhat because it's very common after giving birth and, and it can be in men or women, obviously men are not giving birth, but you know, <laughs> pelvic floor problems can happen to both men and women. Um, and, um, pelvic floor PT has become a, a better field more recently. Um, I know a lot more people that are, you know, they go to school for PT and then they specialize in pelvic floor PT. And so, you know, even though it can be a little embarrassing and um, it can seem like, well, this happens to a lot of my, my friends after, after giving birth, it's not, it's not something you have to live with or should live with. And um, you can usually find someone that can find a solution to help you, you know, there generally speaking, it's not, you know, people think Kegels, so I got to tighten. It's not always that sometimes um, you're too tight and you need to learn to relax your pelvic floor. And if it's too tight and you do something that's jarring, it, it squeezes on your bladder and, and then you pee a little bit. So it can definitely be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> great, 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 a great answer. Um, along with that, we had a chafing question. Um, so what does one do if, uh, female parts, uh, end up, chafing? <laughs> <laughs> this is, um, so there are a bunch of things you can do, right. Um, we talk about not wearing cotton socks on our feet cause that can give you blisters. Not wearing cotton underwear is also another thing that you can do. There are plenty of wicking undergarments that you can find. Um, most specialty running clothing is designed to be worn without undergarments. And um, that can help sometimes with the chafing because you just have a little bit more airflow 
Another thing um, that can help is, uh, I don't want to say this, um, pubic hair, not removing all of your pubic hair. It's kind of designed to, to, to provide a barrier between your skin and your clothing, and um, it can cut down on friction. And it also um, can help with airflow. So you're not you know, holding a lot of moisture in that area. And of course, there are a million different types of lubricants. Um, uh, squirrel nut butter is one that's off the top of my head. Um, the chamois butter that cyclists use, that can be really good because um, they're sitting on their butts, you know, for hours on end. And so it's a really thick cream that can help if, if all of these other things and still lead to chafing. Do you have any, I mean, <laughs> you must have chafing <laughs> advice as well. You know? <laughs> I, I am a, I'm a zinc oxide guy. Um, <laughs> I use the zinc oxide based uh, lubricants. Um, you know, I, I, just like you were saying, you know, uh, with uh, the riders, I use um, Boudreaux's butt paste, which is just mm -hmm. a, a baby cream. Um, yep. And it just doesn't come off as easy, you know, as some of the other do the, you know, especially the petroleum based, um, products that you know, if you sweat, then you're going to have to reapply. Whereas zinc oxide, it's just stays, you know, the only problem is that it just stains your clothes. Yes. <laughs> so, yep. Um, <laughs> but, and you um, smell like a diaper <laughs> and you smell like a diaper. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've used that before. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. And it's, I guess it's more personal preference. I, I mean, I like, um, yeah squirrel nut butter as well. I think it's a, that's a great product and it's, it's not petroleum based. It does last a lot longer than, than a lot of the other, other things out there. But I mean, it, it's, it's something that you have to try. Like we spoke about earlier, it's something you have yeah. to try in training and just, you know, see what's working. Um, you know, some of the tips you just gave are magnificent. Maybe they're not doing some of those things and, you know, they can change some of those and that just, you know, creates the, uh, the change that's needed. So yeah, perfect. Cool. Um, and then, uh, we had a question about, uh, best running bras for moms that are breastfeeding. Um, did you have anything, anything there? Um, I have heard that the Sunita athletics are really good. Um, there used to be Brooks, I think made a running bra, but it sounds like they've been discontinued, but, um, the bra Sunita's elect, uh, athletics tend to have the, the straps that unhook um, so if you are breastfeeding or pumping or things like that, you can take it off easily without having to struggle to get it off over your head. Um, we were talking about earlier, actually, Aaron, that, that bras are compression garments, you know, they're, they're not there to, to cut off your breathing, but they really are there support. to, to support. So getting rid of your old sports bras mm -hmm. can be important. Yeah. 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 They're just comfort. like, yeah, they're just like shoes. Right. Yeah. You know, they, yep. they have a life, you know, just, I mean, compression socks are the same thing. They have a life after yep. they go through so many washes, you lose the compression, you lose the support. Um, so, you know, and that can, that can do damage, uh, you know, to, to a woman's breast that's, you know, so uh, be aware of, uh, of the level of support you're getting out of your bra. If you, you know, find yourself, Oh my goodness, I have to wear a second bra just to maintain the, 
the structure and integrity, then it might be time to, to look investing yeah. in some new bras. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it, I mean, I would just say, you know, look for bras that will give you the, um, an ease of, of, um, of adjustability and, and access to, to opening up so that, um, you know, you can, you can do it easily and, uh, you know, um, and not have to struggle with, you know, this strap and that strap or this hook, you know, wherever it is. So uh, you may have to shop around a little bit and see, uh, I, yeah. you know, I, I think the best place to probably do that would be at a run expo. So if you, mm. um, you know, if you're, if you go to like a big city marathon or you have a big city marathon near you, um, you can just go to the expo, you know, even if you're not racing and just kind of check the the bras out there. Usually they have them on super sale too. So, yeah. um, check that out. Oh, that's a really great idea. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to find bras. I mean, I, yeah. as, you know, previous running store owner, it's just, it's really hard to have a great selection. So, um, yeah. you may have to, you know, kind of go out and, and seek them to, to try them on. And, uh, mm -hmm. but, and also look at the, the return policies, you know, make sure that if yeah. you're, if you're going to buy online that you can exchange return, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. so right on. All right. Um, uh, let's see what else we got. Um, uh, rocking through here. Um, <laughs> let's go. We'll just go in, in some order now. So, uh, so statistically in the ultra running world, uh, when will women out, uh, be out competing men in the near future? That's a, that's a great question. That's a great question. I'm interested to hear your take. I really like this discussion because, um, it brings up so many different things about, uh, women in sport. Um, we all know, uh, Courtney DeWalter, Maggie Guterall, um, I decided to look up a handful of women who um, have won outright lately. And um, I, Ellie Pell was another woman who won a 50K outright recently. Um, and Western States, actually, in 2021, half of the top 30 finishers were women this year, which makes me so happy. You know, this is, this is really great. I like um, supporting women in athletics. Um, however, I, the answer is, I don't really know. I don't know that anyone really knows the answer to this. Um, it does seem like there are things that women have strengths in when it comes to ultra running patience, pacing, um, fat utilization, um, being, being more thoughtful in how they're racing, um, I guess, which is patience, you know, um, it is generally speaking, you have more men that are a little bit more, they go out too hard. Women can be a little bit more, um, thoughtful in what they're doing. Um, but I, I don't know the answer. I, did read a really interesting article on CTS from Jason Coop that was, um, his point was that it's actually never gonna happen. Um, that men, testosterone uh, is about nine to 11%, uh, it makes men about nine to 11% faster. Um, and every time we reach a new distance, the question comes up and there are a bunch of women that do really well and kind of leave the men in the dust. But um, he sort of attributes it to 
whenever you have a new sport, there are usually more men that will sign up and fewer women. And the women that do sign up tend to be a little bit, tend to be naturally good at the sport that they sign up for. Um, However, I was talking to my husband about this and he made a joke about it. And what he said was, I mean, what's the big race, right? In life, women live to about 81 years old (laughs) and men it's about 76. So (laughs) that's where women live. But (laughs) I actually thought, (laughs) the ultimate ultra, right? Which I actually thought was kind of interesting to think about, but um, I don't really have an answer. I don't know that anyone has an answer. Um, What do you think about it? Uh, well, I mean, you know, when we when we talk about ultra, because if we pare it down and say marathon and below, there's still quite a disparity, you know, between what the results are showing, right? But then as we move up to ultra, we we don't. It, it, I guess it, you know, a lot of it is who shows up, right? Just like you were saying, ah. who's going to show up, and you know, it is it, you know, do we have a huge elite field, which Western states is, yeah, and that's a, you know, that's a great comparison that you know, we've got this, you know, almost 50, 50 split of the top 30, right. Uh, which is amazing. Um, so it's, it's such a, an interesting topic. Um, I like, will women be dominating the sport that I, I, I don't know. I like, I would, I would say like, you know, they're, they're, they show great results sporadically. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's not like, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be dominated. I can't say that. But, um, like it, it's amazing to see the results. I mean, Camille Heron, you know, like just, yeah, uh, just, I mean, Amy Johnson, who's from Raleigh, she just, she just beat me at a 50 K out here and it was, it was patience. <laughs> I just, yeah. I cramped up and she beat me. <laughs> so <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, she ran a smart race. So it happens and it's great. Like it's, it's awesome. Um, I think, you know, it's, we look for gender equality and, you know, when we see these things, it just kind of, you know, feels like the playing field is, is, is a little bit more equal, Um, you know, and it's, it's, there's, there's a ton of questions that come with it. Um, But, um, but yeah, I I agree with you. There's, there's no, you know, there's no predictor. If, you know, if I shook up my, uh, my magic eight ball, it'd probably give me three different answers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, Yeah. I had a friend that actually, we were talking about this and, um, her, her thinking was, um, I mean, what is success? I, I know that we look at race results winning who's, you know, the fastest, but really in ultra, you know, there are very, very few people that make a living doing this. And most of us are doing this because we like it. And sometimes we have great results and sometimes we don't. And she was thinking it in the frame of, what if we all thought about it as success as, um, how happy, how long you can run for, right? Like rather than just flaming out in a year or two, um, if you could think of success as, um, longevity or balance in life and still being able to, to compete in these races, which I just, I really liked, I kind of like, like the way that she was kind of reframing that, you know, she's successful because she competes. Sometimes she wins and she still very much feels like she doesn't neglect the other important parts of her life as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, you know, totally, (laughs) totally relate to that. (laughs) 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 That's wonderful. All right. Uh, next question says, what is the most common injury for female trail runners and what do you recommend for preventing it? 
Um, this is interesting. If you do a Google search, it comes up with knee injuries, which um, because of our Q angle, right? Women have wider hips. Um, and so the Q angle is the measurement of the angle um, from where your femur is to where your knee is. And so it does, if you look at the angle, it does funnel a lot of stress down to the knee, but I see women and men, and it could just be because it's a function of trail running with ankle injuries, honestly, more often. Um, but you know, with any injury, sometimes it's just a fluke, you know, you just twist your ankle, twist your knee. Um, best prevention is always strength, really strength, recovery, eating enough, you know, managing your stress, all of those things. I don't know that there's one silver bullet to, to, to prevent, but there are things that you can do to mitigate the instances of, of coming up with an overuse injury. Yeah. And if we're talking ultras, um, you know, one of the most common is blisters. Um, yeah. <laughs> um that's, yeah. that's, you know, that's when you take a survey of, of all the runners and what happened, what was the most common thing that they saw, you know, in the medical stations was blisters. Um, yeah. and the, the ultra running podcast, the, um, the ultra running magazine, their podcast, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was their, it's either their most recent episode or two back, but they just did a whole feet episode. Um, and they talked about, you know, blisters and everything you can and shouldn't do. Um, I'll try to put that in the show notes. Um, but, um, it was, it was awesome. Like great episode, lots of good information there. So if you're struggling with blisters, um, you know, take a listen to that podcast. Um, it, you know, it really did shed light on a lot of things. And, you know, as Rachel was saying about ankles, it's, you know, it's keeping up your mobility. Um, that's a huge thing, you know, as we, as we roll our ankle over and over again, we lose mobility in the ankle and that can just create so many more problems up the chain. So, you know, working on that mobility is, is just huge. And that can be as simple as if you're sitting at your desk, just spelling your ABCs, do uppercase, do lowercase, you know, and just keep moving that ankle. That's, you know, that's, that's a huge thing. Um, calf raises, you know, that works the, the strength of the foot and ankle, um, doing a balance, you know, like I always tell my athletes, you brush your teeth for two minutes. You do one minute on the left foot. You do one minute on the right foot and you're just working on balance and proprioception. So, um, all the easy things that you can do, but it will help you in the long run. Yeah. All right. Anything else you got there? Um, um, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think that, uh, Oh, nope. You touched on that. Okay. We'll go on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, when you go on a long backcountry run, what does your safety first aid kit look like? Oh my goodness. Um, at my, 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 uh, daily YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, we're recording this on uh, the 30th. So if you go on to my YouTube channel, I'll try to post the video, uh, that one I'll put that in the, uh, the, the show notes as well. I talked about this on, <laughs> on the YouTube today. Um, so, um, lots of things to think about when, when we talk about this, um, the first is communication. Um, what happens if you get hurt? Do you have the right type of communication to get something out? Um, I suggest, um, I like my Garmin mini in reach, 
I think that thing is fantastic. It's lightweight. It's simple. You can use your phone to text and use the mini as your device to get the satellite to, to send the message. So, um, you know, you can carry your phone and your, your, uh, your in reach super simple. Um, or you can just carry the inReach and it has an SOS button and it has, you can pre-program in some messages. So, you know, you can just carry that oh, yeah. if you don't want to, you don't want to carry your phone and it has a great battery life. Um, I always suggest just carrying an extra battery just in case to charge, you know, devices, especially if I have your phone. And if you're using your phone as a mapping device, it's great to have an extra backup battery because it, you know, especially in cold weather, it's going to drain your batteries so much faster. So, yeah. you know, and if, if you're using that for your mapping capability, you know, you don't want that thing to die, which, no. <laughs> you know, brings me <laughs> to the next point it, it doesn't hurt to have a paper map, you know, yeah. carry the, the waterproof paper map with you and know how to use it. Uh, you know, a lot of oh, folks yeah. you know, they, they don't know how to read a map or use a compass. And that can simply be just taking a course at your local outdoor shop, you know, just go to an orienteering course and they'll teach you basic map and, and compass skills. Um, I think those are some huge things um, as well as, you know, we talk about like safety requirements in a race, like what, what are suggested gear. And, uh, you know, when I go out, I have an emergency blanket, an emergency whistle and uh, a small uh, tube of, of scroll nut butter, you know, or whatever lube you use, like that's, <laughs> I just put it in a, you know, a little, uh, Ziploc bag and that goes in my pack. Um, you know, if, if something happens, at least I have that emergency blanket to keep me warm. Uh, I know some folks carry like a fire starting kit, yep. whether it be like a lighter or a candle, a lighter and candle, or, you know, flint and steel, whatever, you know, just to be able to, to start a fire. Um, basic first aid supplies. I think this was, uh, perhaps a, a question that was after, but, um, you know, UTMB had us carry just an adhesive medical tape and that can be used in so many different ways. And, you know, it takes the place of so many different medical supplies that, and, you know, maybe like, um, a packet of, of antiseptic or, uh, or mm -hmm. antiseptic wipe. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's super simple, super small. You don't have to carry too much. Um, but having, you know, those things as well. Um, what else, um, what, what else is on your list, Rachel, while I stumble? <laughs> um, I had Benadryl, um, okay. uh, especially if, if you have an allergy, um, you know, random bee sting, EpiPen, if you have that kind of allergy, yeah, of yeah, course, sure, right? um, I tend to overestimate what I need to eat and drink just in case I get lost, just in case it takes me longer, you know, whatever. Um, I also bring a knife. Um, <laughs> not that I think that, you know, I think, I think sometimes for women, um, just having something like that can make you feel safer, even if, you know, you know, yeah. maybe you're, but just knowing that you have a knife there that you can help, you know, help you with, whatever other things, as well as if you were to have an attacker. Um, I also tell, I usually tell someone where I'm, you know, what route I think I'm taking about how long I think it's going to take me that kind of thing. That's sort of, you know, cause I run by myself a lot and, um, it, it makes me and my spouse feel better if yeah. We both know that he's aware that, you know, maybe I'm going to be gone for six hours. Don't panic. But if I'm gone for like eight or nine, maybe yeah. something's happened. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, you, that's you, a, that's a good thing to, oh, yeah. to let someone know 
Um, and, you know, if you can bring a friend, um, you know, I, I know that I'm thinking about it in, in um, the way of how do you feel safe as a woman alone? You know, sometimes going with a running group, um, going at, uh, you know, not super early in the morning or not super late at night, if, if you have that option, those kinds of things. Um, uh, you can also, that can... is everything that I physically have in my kit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you can also use the, uh, in reach or your phone as a tracking device. Right. So, like yeah. if you use Strava and you have the, the premium edition, you can use the, the live tracking feature there. Um, in the inReach, you can set up to, to ping ever so often so that, you know, something can go online and track you. Um, Garmin has the tracking capability as well. You can track somebody's, um, you know, their, their activity. So, you know, those are, those are great ways to, uh, you know, yeah. so that people, folks can check on you and, and make sure your dots been moving. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and then the other thing too, is, uh, water filtration. Um, you mm, know, mm-hmm. so, uh, there's, it's so easy now to carry a filtration device, you know, the, um, uh, the B freeze by Katahdin, those are, yep. they're great products. Solomon has one. That's the same premise. Uh, you know, super easy filter. You just take the bottle, throw it in the water, fill it up, and then you screw the cap back on and then you just squeeze it. Yep. Um, and it's a great water filtration. You can't put your electrolytes in there just to, so everybody knows you'll ruin the, the filtration. Oh. It just, it's just water. So Good to you know. have to, yeah, you have to put your, your electrolytes into another bottle and squeeze the water into there. Um, and they, they do have a, a shelf life. So if you find that you're not getting the flow, uh, that you used to, then it's time to replace it. That's, you know, it's just the way they go. Um, but those are, those are great products to carry as well. Um, you know, we were out on, a. Uh, we did 25 on Saturday and my buddy's like, Oh, I forgot to bring my, my filter. I was like, Oh, I got it. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's, they're a great little handy thing. Um, you know, and, and I would just say, have a, a pack that has the capacity, right. To carry all of your needs. Right. And, and you know, and it's, it's good practice, especially if you have a race that requires this kind of stuff, you know, like if you look at their suggested gear list, carry that suggested gear list. And yeah. if there's anything that we've mentioned that you're like, that's a great idea have the capacity to, to do that. You know, um, the spot trackers that a lot of races are using now, they're having you, you know, wear it up on your shoulder. So, you know, um, you know, if your, if your pack has a shoulder pouch, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, then you just got to figure out how to, you know, how to get that on there. But I would put something on your shoulder in that regard. So you get kind of get used to that, you know, that, but, but yeah. Um, that's, I mean, think that's uh that's everything yeah. um some people had their their first aid kits look a lot different you know they they pack a lot more stuff um but you know you and you if you're comfortable just carrying a basic first aid kit that's great they come really small these days so um, yeah you can just pick one up at rei and they pretty much throw most of what we just recommended in there absolutely um and then, uh, I think one of the last questions we had was safety tips for women running. Was there anything you wanted to, to add to, you know, aside from what we just went through, is there anything that you'd like to add? Yeah. Um, again, you know, general, let people know when you're going, where you're going, that kind of thing. Um, if you're really, if you have the opportunity and you're really in an unsafe area, you know, going on the treadmill is always an option running loops in your neighborhood another option um finding a trail running group a friend that you can run with um things like that um i mean pepper spray bear spray doubles as bear spray and 
anti-human yep. spray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, um, has those little sirens. Um, yeah. You know, so, so it draws, it draws attention because I mean, yeah. sometimes screaming for whatever reason, like people yeah. just, they don't, you know, they just mm -hmm. kind of ignore it. But if you got a siren, people are like, Oh, what's that? So, yeah. um, I think Nathan still makes, makes those products, but yeah. Um, I know women that take self-defense courses, you know, that, that can be good just to, to practice that some of those self-defense self -defense courses, they will have you practice someone jumping up from behind you and it can just make you feel more comfortable about, you know, you can think about, oh, well, this is how I'm going to get away. But if you practice like anything else, you know, you get more comfortable and it becomes a little bit more automatic. Um, yep. Practice on your husband. <laughs> totally. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, what else? Um, you know, I like, um, other safety tips. Um, I mean, you know, I think the big one, like you said, is just, um, letting people know where you're going, um, what, what, how long you expect it to take that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, yeah if, if you can have company, I think those are the two biggest things. Um, you know, especially if you don't feel safe because you won't enjoy your run if you're not feeling safe out there. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely um, not. You know, and at, at this time of year, I mean, a bright headlight can do a lot, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yep. I mean, you know, cause I think often we get worried about the dark and, you know, especially if it's dark, people feel like they might be able to get away with more. So, you know, we're, we're bright lights. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. We're super bright lights, but right on. Um, did we miss any questions? Did I miss anything? Uh, I think we went through pretty much everything. Um, um, yeah, I mean, there was a kind of a um, sweat rate testing uh, with hydration. There was one okay. question that was about um, that. Uh, it's not any different for men and women. It's the same. Oh, okay. okay. Um, you know, uh, weigh yourself before you run in the nude run for an hour or so, towel yourself off, weigh yourself again. Um, it's like, I forget, it's uh, every pound is 16 ounces. So if you lose one pound, you aim to replace 16 ounces, etc. Same thing for, you know, women. That's, um, want to add to that. Okay, right on. I, I, I didn't see that question. So thank you. <laughs> sorry no that's great. that's great i might not have sent it it might have been a last minute <laughs> all good that's fantastic well rachel that that was very awesome i think you shared some tremendous information here i hope we answered a lot of questions and maybe we generated some more so um i hope yeah. you'd be willing to have a, a you know a, another episode if we if we get some more questions generated um definitely i live for this stuff <laughs> so <laughs> I'd be more than happy. Awesome. I certainly appreciate your time and, and coming on here. Um, it was a lot of, a lot of fun talking about this and uh, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Um, how can I'm, people find you? <laughs> oh, um, I am on Instagram at rachel.bell.kelly. Um, email rbellkelly4 at gmail. That's the best way to find me. Okay. All right. I'll put those in the show notes. Um, Rachel, again, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking again in the future and have you back on. Sure. Uh, love you sharing your knowledge. Thank, thank you, you, Aaron. <laughs>
Well, I'd like to thank Rachel for coming on again and, and sharing her knowledge. Uh, she did a lot of, uh, of background searching and uh, research to, to answer those questions. So thank you, ma'am, for, for taking the time to do such. Um, that, that's, that was fantastic. So, um, And I hope you guys learned something from that as well. So it's been a busy week here um, in the MR Running Pains world. Um, it's uh, I've still been doing my daily YouTube videos. I've uh, been uploading those on a daily basis. It's been um, really fun, um, kind of being reflective and uh, and enjoying you know talking on my runs um, and and just learning a new media. You know, kind of splicing videos and such. Um, really enjoyed the process here. Uh, other than that. Uh, the newsletter, uh, as you guys listen to this, it will be uh, Thursday, December 2nd or thereafter. And my December newsletter is already out. So um, you can check that out if you haven't done so already. It will be posted on my website under the Connect With Me page. Um, so uh, you can look up all the old newsletters. They're all there. And you can also subscribe to the newsletter. My website is mrrunningpains.com. So that's that's out. Um, of course, this episode released this week, and we'll also have an episode of the Hellbender podcast released this weekend. So the first and third Saturdays of each month, the Hellbender 100 podcast releases its episode. This week, I've got a special guest in Allison Kirk. Allison has won the female um, overall title the two years that we have hosted the Hellbender 100. Uh, she's a fantastic woman from Colorado. And I really look forward to my conversation with her. So that will be this weekend. So like I said, lots happening this week between the YouTube videos, two podcasts, um, and the newsletter. So please, um, you know, uh, check them out. I hope you uh, enjoy. And uh, I want to thank, again, my my Patreon supporters. Uh, They've been wonderful. And I want to encourage, if you know someone or you yourself, could use a pair of shoes. Um, the shoe scholarship will renew for December. So uh, if someone is in need, please don't hesitate to reach out. I still have some some gear. Actually, I've had um, a few people actually donate some, some packs and such, um, which is really awesome. So I still have some gear to give away. If you're in need of packs or you know clothes for the winter or anything like that, so please reach out if that's the case. And... Um, Man, it's, uh, like I said, it's just been busy here. Um, I am supposed to race this weekend. Um, I say race um, pretty lightly. We've kind of been training through it. Uh, the Headwaters uh, 30K is this weekend. Um, we, I got in uh, about 85 miles last week, and uh, this week's going to be some some good volume too. Um, you know, we're, we're not really tapering for this one, just kind of training through it as I get ready for the black canyons, 100 K, which is coming up quickly about 10 weeks away. So very excited for that. Um, making travel plans. Um, and you know, I'll, of course, researching the, uh, the Bigfoot 200 really looking forward to that. This weekend is also uh, hard rock and Western States lottery. I only put in for the Western States lottery. Um, I, I wish everybody the best of luck. 
um, you know, we're, we're all keeping our fingers crossed for this weekend, this Saturday. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for you if your name gets pulled. Um, if not, you know, it's, I, I, I'm with you. Um, this is, I've been putting in since 2016. Um, obviously there's people that have, uh, put in for, for longer than I, but, um, you know, we're all keeping our fingers crossed that we get drawn. So, uh, big, big day Saturday. Anyhow, um, I hope everything is going great for, for you all. Um, I have a, uh, podcast coming up with Steven Sashin. He is the founder of zero shoes, uh, the minimalistic footwear brand, and we're going to have a great conversation. Uh, I really look forward to my conversation with Steven, um, talking about footwear in general, uh, me being the footwear nerd that I am. Um, uh, you can listen to, um, just a more recent podcast with, uh, Nathan Lehman, him and I discuss footwear. Uh, it was, it was a really fun conversation. So I look forward to that conversation I'm about to have with Steven. So that should be my next episode coming out next week. And, uh, man, if you guys have any ideas or want to come on the podcast, just give me a holler. Uh, you can reach me at runningpains at gmail.com or through my website or any of my social channels. Join me, uh, reach out to me. If you want to, you know, give me ideas for, for a podcast or things you want to hear, always up for that. And my contacts can also be found in the show notes. I want to thank everybody for listening. Again, I want to thank my Patreon supporters for their support. If you feel that you can support at the Patreon level, uh, which can be as little as a dollar a month, you can visit uh, patreon.com slash mrrunningpains. Uh, it's also in the show notes as well as on my website. I certainly appreciate everybody supporting it. That's what I'm using for the shoe scholarship. So if you're down with that mission, I really, really sincerely appreciate that. All right. Thank you, guys. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and everybody's doing well. We'll see you next week.